Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bragg. Boys, we actually have guests this week for the first time in year five of BCC. Very <laughs> excited. Really? All right. Uh, I, I feel like our listeners have had enough of us just getting together and catching up. Um, so very excited to get to them. But before we do, I, w- I just want to start the show. I'm going to get right into it. Uh, how are you? How are you? I guess. How how you guys doing? Fantastic, man. How are yeah, you? Doing good. Great. Yeah. Great. I love you, boys. I missed you all week long. I'm, I'm cool. so happy we're back together doing this uh, every week. Um, but we have a follow-up from last week. We have uh, last week we did a couple L files at the top of the show, and mm-hmm. if you remember, we had a letter from a from a man who called himself Jackalope Jake, uh, who had a dream that there was a shadow person stuffing a wet washcloth in his mouth, and that he <laughs> and that he died in his dream. Remember oh, this? Right. Yes, right. yes. We will forever. Well, Jackalope Jake is back with a little more information about that dream because we asked wait how did you die in the dream are you still fighting shadow people in your dreams because he was sort of like a a clandestine shadow person fighter in his lucid dreams uh so we we had a follow-up you're supposed to actually die right i mean that's what everybody thinks that's what everybody knows that's fact that is dream fact dream so bryce why don't you read us the follow-up from jackalope jake that we got Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Hey, guys, following up on my previous email in regards to dying in my dream, battling a shadow entity. I died battling it. It somehow overcame me. I went outside my body and then woke up from the dream. So he failed his job, basically. He failed (laughs) his one mission. (laughs) Also, suddenly, I've had more strange encounters. Two weeks ago, my wife and I woke up to our eight-month-old son crying. It's common, as he's teething, plus in general is a cranky baby. My wife was changing his diaper, and I sat in the rocker in his room waiting to feed him a bottle. The moment my wife handed me my son, I saw out of the corner of my eye a shadow about a foot tall move across the wall from his crib behind some toy shelving and disappear into the adjacent wall. My wife didn't see it, but plainly heard something moving behind the shelves. We checked to make sure no cats were in his room and there was nothing there. Weird. Then, just last week, I was in bed having a dream that some sort of entity with the face of a woman was trying to latch itself and enter the back of my head. Been there, buddy. I was outside of my body. (laughs) You you have? (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, close. Close enough, right? I mean, we're all talking about the same stuff here, aren't we? I was outside of my body, and I was trying to tell them to banish whatever was there, but my mouth was so dry I couldn't speak. I tried over and over, but then was finally able to say, leave! The entity left, and I woke up from the dream. The weird thing is, where I sleep uh, in in my wife's room is the same exact spot by the wall where I saw the mysterious shadow entity disappear into the wall of my son's room. Coincidence? 
or have I been listening to too many episodes of your guys' show? We'll keep you guys updated if anything else strange occurs. Thanks, Jake. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, Jake, it sounds like you need to get back in the shadow person gym. You need to get back to training. <laughs> I need to ball. buy some sage and, and fucking light that shit off in the house. Sage that place. Got shadow entities up in there. That's true. Yes. We just also, need a montage of Jake doing shadow person fighting uh, training. You know? <laughs> That's what we the nunchucks going right through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. should just put Jake, just put mount like a, uh, a samurai sword and some nunchucks and throwing stars in the baby's room. Just to send a signal to any shadow person that you mean Hell fucking yeah. business. Yeah, dude. Banish that evil. And, and a dream catcher. Yeah. <laughs> and a lovely dream catcher. Um, listen, guys, Jake, thank you so much. Uh, Jackalope Jake, f- do send us any more follow-ups if, if you can. Um, I'm mostly interested just because you called yourself Jackalope Jake. I'll be honest with you. That's a great character name. Um, listen, guys, it's your five of the show, and you've been listening every week to the feed for free, if you have been doing that. We love you for it. Thank you. But please consider officially supporting BCC and receive three bonus episodes every month plus the occasional goodie, plus access to our entire backlog of over 170 exclusive episodes and collector's items over our run uh, over on uh, Patreon. BCC, the other side. Uh, Last week, we dropped an episode all about Mars Attacks, both the 1996 film and the original Topps trading card series from the 1960s. We do movie club episodes like that one every month, and this month we will be doing a movie that ties into this week's story of high strangeness. So keep your ears peeled during uh, today's feature. And we're discussing a new cool way to zhuzh up the other side, perhaps offering a whole new type of exclusive content for our beautiful Patreons. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club and sign up for five bucks a month, become an official club scout, and help keep the BCC going. And Get finally, your club card. Come on over. Come Do on it. over, Water's baby. Warm. Finally, you can show your love for the show by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. It helps get the show to more people. If you do, we might read it on the air. Like this one. Riley, take it away. Shit, I don't have the document open. Oh, boy. Bryce, do you you have it in front of you? I've got Michael. Okay, (laughs) Bryce, (laughs) why don't you read a set of five star reviews? Okay, here we go. Catching up is hard, but worth it, says NJVH9. That's a Uh, a Star Wars droid listening to the show. Is that right? (laughs) Sounds like it. it. Love this podcast, and I've been trying to catch up for the better part of a year. You three have a great give and take. Bring back Deborah and Wool. Five stars. All That's right. Give you. Giving some notes in that five-star review, it sounds like. <laughs> but uh, appreciate the five stars nonetheless, uh, NJVH9. Uh, we appreciate it guys. That's all it takes. I mean, I don't love the idea that it's a lot of work to listen to the show, but listen, we love those five stars. Uh, so do us a favor and put that up on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Boys, I think it's time due time to bring our guests in. They've been sitting here patiently for a while. This week's guests are the married co-hosts of the true crime podcast. Muriel's murders. Yes. Club Scouts of all timelines. Please 
Welcome to the show, Muriel Montgomery and Nick Casolini. Hi. So good to be here, man. I oh, love yeah. hanging out with you guys. That was yeah. a great opening, oh. man. I know. It scared me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you guys have listeners on your show with like uh, like nicknames like Jackalope Jake that write in? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much all of them. Same thing with the like when you read the reviews and people's name are just some insane code or something you could tell they didn't think would actually be publicly seen. Yeah, you know, right? God bless them. Or people just get, or people just get tired trying to find a username. They're like, oh, already taken. Please try another one. You're like, fuck it, fuck it, fine. I'll just do letters and numbers. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, man. Shout out Jackload Jake. I hope he's okay and I hope the baby's all right. You know. Yeah. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, also, maybe NJVH9 is someone's license plate number. I just realized I that. Know. I, I should have tried to do my license plate decode. It's a social security number. Run those plates. See if there's any outstanding parking tickets that we need to alert the authorities to. Uh, Nick and Muriel, for those of us who may not be familiar with your podcast, give us yeah. a little uh, rundown of Muriel's murders. Okay. Well, um, over the pandemic, I've always listened to a ton of true crime and true crime podcasts, and Nick has always been really baffled by that. I and think it's weird and disturbing that she's so into it. Yeah, like I'm saying baffled, but I really mean like <laughs> super judgy. <laughs> right, right. I love murder. <laughs> yeah. So if like you know you're cleaning the house and all of a sudden your earbuds go to like the Bluetooth speaker and they hear and then that person was you know stabbed nine times. Those are the little pieces that Nick used to hear. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we created this podcast. What we found out was over the pandemic, we didn't have anybody to talk to, like, because we wait tables, our jobs were gone. And, you know, I mean, everything that we did where we actually talked to people face to face is gone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so we ended up just staring at each other all the time. And I was like, well, I'm done with this. I'm just going to tell you about the murders I'm listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turns out she's great at telling me what her terrible podcasts were about. So now just each week, she just picks a crime that she thinks will blow my mind. And I get to sit back and interrupt her and make jokes. And and she does like a crazy good. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's really fun. Bryce, I feel like you should start a side paranormal podcast with your wife and you just tell her all the stuff that you tell us and see how that goes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that would work, which makes which makes your podcast sound all the more interesting. You have the dynamic of being a married couple plus one who loves murder and one who's like, what the fuck is going on with your love yeah. of murder? Um, it's it's great, too, because she just like specifically writes the scripts to to mess with me also. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's crazy. It's yeah, funny. I call him cool a lot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they say things like hold on to your butts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nick, what do well, you have I- against murder anyway? Uh, uh, very good question uh you know i mean i guess i just feel gross by the uh you know turning it into entertainment mm-hmm. um mm. is like the short answer uh you know and really what that comes down to is certain things <laughs> a good I feel, answer <laughs> feel like exploitative or whatever and i think it's you know it you know it's I don't like it. I don't know what to say. It just makes me feel. So you're constantly trying to take down your own podcast is what you're telling us. Right. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> but what Muriel does such a good job at is she really sort of like, instead of maybe focusing on like the gruesome details or the horrible tragedy of a thing, she does a great job of like explaining the entire like culture and the, you know, the historical context of a moment and like all the crazy things that these people were up to. And uh, because we're uh, who we are, we end up making a lot of jokes about all of that kind of stuff. So it ends up being like an entertaining sort of exploration into something, which, of course, is ultimately tragic. But the path along the way is, you know, kind of uh, exploratory and goofy, you know. Listen, I love it. People love true crime. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it's true crime's hot, guys. We all know this. Uh, (laughs) Muriel, I'm I'm curious. Yes. How often in your research do you like you're like, okay, now I'm at the axe murder, and then suddenly you're getting down you're going down the like haunted house rabbit hole. How often do you have to like tr- like prevent yourself from going into the ghost territory? You know, honestly, I that's such a good question. I think honestly, <laughs> there is so much about a lot of these stories that is. Mm, sort of intangible. Like one of my favorite stories mm. we told was the Holy Roller stories. Do you guys know about that? No. Uh, no. So this is like uh, a cult that was in Oregon in the early 1900s. And long story short, <laughs> this guy who was just, he was like a maybe five feet tall. He had no money. He was homeless. And he ended up starting this cult. And it was mostly women who joined it and they just kind of cast it off the shackles of being, you know, a mother and a housekeeper in the 1900s and joined Mm. this sort of quasi religious evangelical group that he put together. And one of the things that they would do is just like whenever. So he wasn't just a lazy homeless person. No, no, no. You know, he was a pretty wily dude. He he got uh, his shit together. Yeah. (laughs) These women would just drop on the floor and roll roll around. (laughs) Like whenever. Oh, they literally were rollers. Like to be like, like to be in protest or to have like a religious sort of like um, stand against whatever was happening or just to be like, I'm over it. Drop on the floor and roll around. (laughs) But I mean. What you? What's cool about that to me is they're. Out I the mastered that move at, at three years old. <laughs> exactly, Hold on, Muriel right? was Muriel was about to say what's cool about that. Yeah. To me, it's like Wendigo territory or something. You know, like they're out in the woods. It's really creepy. It's like mm. there's no electricity. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's pouring down rain. It's freezing, and then this you know skeletal guy comes into town and starts this cult and it lasted for like 20 years i mean at one point they ran him out of town tarred and feathered him he came back and lived under a house and he was just like compelled to keep going you know but to me that's like more than human you know (laughs) like the uh commitment of the group to this dude you know yeah, totally. I you know, I and I think to Michael's point, I mean, we I think we do often hear about some of these cults that end up in extremities. Oftentimes they are getting messages from the unknown and great beyond or they're they're channeling some type of material and it sometimes it does connect to UFOs or or to demons. It it can get shady, but uh yeah, there's a weird intersectionality between paranormal happenings and and true crime i think they go together well well, you know and i'm thinking too quite literally like the like the amityville murders and the facilia axe murders you know those types of brutal killings 
tend to spawn these ghost stories about totally. the houses where they took yep. place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I also, I also think about like cults, um, like uh, what was the one that we just did on the Patreon? The uh, Nexium? No, the uh, uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. You know, mm. it's really interesting. They were the ones who thought, you know, the UFO is behind the Hale Bob comet, and so they all mm-hmm. took poison at the very end, and like. There was a mass suicide, but their theology is, you know, it's really eclectic. Like a lot of these doomsday cults, you know, like they, they create this theology and it's something that's like in the heartbeat of people, you know, like it's something that people want. They want like this doomsday Jesus alien sort of intersection. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really bad. Yeah. It seems like people in this situation, like, Want the want the apocalypse to happen so the savior, whoever he or she or they may be, will come back and like make things good again. That mm-hmm. seems to be like a. I mean, I don't know if I'm right. I'm generalizing here, but that seems to be like for me a recurring to me a recurring theme in some of this stuff. It definitely mm. is, and outside of the spectrum of the cults, too, a lot of the lone actors and just individuals who end up committing murder are talking about voices they hear. A lot of times they attribute it to God. A lot of times they attribute it to Satan or other people or spirits. But that is that is very common. I mean, Muriel told me this story about this guy that created this gigantic tank called the Killdozer, and he mowed down this entire town in Colorado. And oh my he God. literally this drove over buildings great. and all this stuff. He was, you know, and, and, and it was because... You know, the short story is because God told him to do it. And for this week, the episode we just released, um, we actually uh, flipped the format. So I was the one that did the research. And I told Muriel the story of this mobster who became a born-again Christian. And I won't give away the big reveal at the end of that episode. But is it murder? (laughs) Does he become Slimer in the Ghostbusters? (laughs) I'm sorry, a ghost sorry, over here. And uh he uh <laughs> but I mean that fool heard a lot of voices in his head, you know, and he had wow. God and Satan speaking directly to him, you know. So I mean that's Jeez. you know, that is a significant common thread in a lot of the stories that end up getting told on our podcast for sure. Man. So do you uh, did you guys grow up uh you know into ghosts into cryptids you mentioned the wendigo um, a moment ago muriel is that Mm -hmm. something that you knew about before you started researching stories that involve cannibalism uh what is your personal paranormal history well okay wendigo it's like i don't know if you have seen that movie ravenous have you seen that (laughs) no no i've got to see it though it looks good i will send you a link to it it's so good okay (laughs) I love it. I showed it to Nick. It's very good. It's in colonial times, whatever. But that's how I learned about, I don't know. I watched a movie, but it scared me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, like, personally, like, you know, I have always lived in cities as an adult and even as a kid, like bigger cities. And so I haven't had a lot of um, experience in the woods, but every time I go out, I always feel like there's a presence there. And like when I was growing up, my, my dad, he's from the Bronx and he's, so he's a city kid too. And he doesn't know about camping or doing any of that stuff. But when we were kids, you know, he would always say to us, like, if you want to cut down blackberry bushes, you have to ask, <laughs> this is trippy. You have to ask permission from the green wild. Right. And that's like the spirit. Of okay. 
What? Sure. Yeah, so we're, like, we're not we're not opposed to this. Right. So like that's how I grew up is that when I go out, I feel like that's something I can't shake is that I don't understand what's out here, but something powerful is out here. And my dad was also really into astral projection and like and like would teach me. I like we talk about like lucid dreaming and stuff like that. So um, that's my connection. Get along great with that dude. (laughs) He's really what did he do for a living? What was his deal? He was, he did tons of stuff. My parents owned a dry cleaners for a while. And then um, he ended up being a longshoreman for like most of his job. So he worked on the waterfront in Seattle mm. and he's just a super magical dude. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what were his thoughts on mermaids? I think that he would think that they're real and he's always right about yes. everything. Yeah, for sure. It was real. <laughs> the one time we, um, for fa- uh, for Father's Day, when I was living in Chicago and my other brother was living in New York, we flew in to surprise him and we set up, we staged an astral projection, like, um, prank on him. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> so we flew in. This is really, this is, I'll just like tell the really short story, but we flew in and I have two brothers. And so the one brother flew in and I flew in and we hid. And my mom threw a fake Father's Day party for him and her cousin. And my other brother baked fake weed uh, brownies and gave them to my dad. And in the middle of the party, he said, Hey, I'm really sorry. These are going sideways. They're really, really strong. And while he was downstairs telling my dad about that, my brother and I snuck into my mom's deck that has these big windows. And we sat on (laughs) and drank beers while they had the party inside. And then we both turned around and stared at my dad through the window until he noticed us. And then he just started screaming (laughs) because to him, that wasn't like, it was nothing except a hundred percent an astral projection that I was coming to him and telling him that <laughs> like happy father's day or I'm in trouble or whatever beacon that is. I was uh, hoping you guys had at least like dipped yourself in glitter first and then we're like pretending to float outside the window. No, we just were talking and drinking beer. And then I stared at him until he made eye contact with me. And then he just goes, what? <laughs> And then he screamed my name and then he started sweating. And then my mom thought he was having a heart attack. So we had to stop doing it. <laughs> that would that is actually a great prank for someone who believes in this stuff to like the long game is to slowly like six yes. months in advance, start talking about like, I'm, I'm practicing on my astral projection. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I'm getting pretty good, you know, like, and then, and then be like, all right, I'm going to try it tonight. So I'm going to try to contact you and then fly out there, not tell them you're coming into town and then doing that and see, you know what I mean? Like, let's really, let's really plus up this entire prank and make it a real thing. All of our listeners should do this to someone they love in their, in their life. I'm telling you, my dad's heart is so big and his mind is so open that I could literally probably do it again. And he would still not. Know <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. How about I love you, it. Nick? What's your, uh, what's your personal paranormal history? Well, I mean, the first time I, the first and only real time that I ever heard a ghost was in my neighborhood. There was this family and they were a little secretive. Um, 
they were like, I don't know what they were up to or what they were not up to. But one thing they did very publicly was they had lowrider cars and the dad, Gary would teach all the kids in the neighborhood how to like work the hydraulics. So it was like so fun to hang out over there. We always go over there and he lived right next to one of my very best friends. And on the other side, like I knew all the kids on the block and we hang out there all the time. And they had a little son who was much younger than us. And he was kind of a, a weirder kid, I would say. And he would always talk about his grandma. And the one time he said, come with me, come with me, my grandma, my grandma. And I went inside and the grandma was like banging on the walls. It was like in this, I I mean, I didn't see her. I just heard all this banging and I was like, whoa, is she okay? And he's like, no, she's not okay. And then we ran outside and then I was like, (laughs) what's up with Ricardo's grandma? And then Gary, his father was like, oh, she passed away like 10 years ago. Oh, so that, and that was just that was just the neighborhood. I was Whoa. like, okay, Gary's house is haunted, you know. Right, so right, right. That was, so that laid a foundation because that was probably third or fourth grade. So that was just that was just normal facts. And then, but I can't say that other things like that have really happened to me. There are certain things that I realize later maybe fit into the paranormal that I just thought were kind of normal. For instance, like my family. What? Well, my family's from Sicily, and they're from this little tiny village right next to Mount Etna, which is on the eastern coast of Sicily. It's really gorgeous. It's sort of like the northeastern coast of that island. I've been there. It's really, really beautiful, and everyone is suspicious. Yeah, and <laughs> first of all, number one, I mean, this isn't paranormal, but I grew up thinking Shakespeare was from Sicily, right from that area in Messina, which is a town right up in the corner. And then I found out later that's like a conspiracy theory. But I just grew up thinking like, oh, yeah, Shakespeare is really Sicilian. We know him, whatever, you know, <laughs> my dad's great grandfather was friends with his cousin or whatever. And then and then the other thing was um, and I actually wanted to ask you guys about this, but that Cyclops were a real, <laughs> uh, you know, real beings that used to live in, or excuse me, on and around Mount Etna. And they, I know that comes from like the Greek mythology. And if you go to Sicily, there are more Greek ruins in Sicily than in Greece. And right. that island has been, you know, colonized and more or less dominated by different cultures throughout history. And I know that Cyclops are sort of a Greek mythology, but the idea is that we evolved from Cyclopses, <laughs> you know, that that was just like, you know, like maybe abominable snowmen or cavemen or something that, you know, Cyclopses were Sicilian and Sicilian people came from them. So it wasn't, until, it wasn't until later that I was like, Oh, that's probably not true or it's folklore or whatever. But that was just like, that's just sort of like a basic sort of baseline supernatural thing like for instance we're from seattle and you know the sasquatch bigfoot whatever is you know throughout the pacific northwest and i would say like cyclops are as prevalent to sicily as the sasquatch is to the northwest this is this is wild wild. i have never heard this that's great i mean okay i was wondering (laughs) if you guys try going I'm going to say it. That's crazy. No, but that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. I've no, I, we got to look into this. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that. Are they like, like mm. go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, are there like, are there like, what sort of evidences do they have? Are like, are there like the, are there strange burial mounds or do, are there old stories going back about large bones and are, did they ever find like a skull with just a, 
just sort of one yeah. eye socket. So I mean, right. worst, yeah. if they found yeah. a, a skull with one eye socket, don't you think we would hear about yeah. it? Yeah. You know, Michael, they would send it to the Smithsonian and then it would go mysteriously missing. How do you think this stuff Ooh. happens? Uh, there, there were some, there were some skulls that eventually got, um, see, there you go. Identified as a certain type of elephant at some point. So oh. that's the only, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only kind of proof that I was able to come across. You know what I mean? But I will say I've been to his village and honestly, it's like Sicilian Twin Peaks. Like, you know, something's going on. <laughs> Everybody's in right. the business. They're quiet. Right. They don't know why you're there. You're like, hi. It's like, absolutely not. You are cursed. That's, That's usually, yeah. Yeah. Those vibes are super, super heavy. It's strong. Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of like a machismo, sort of like libido thing going on with the cyclops like it's a point of pride you know for like masculine mm. men that that's like now i'm thinking that cyclops is just a euphemism for dick it might be <laughs> people have and... i think that exists out there <laughs> yeah. i think that might be a thing i mean that's you know that's pretty much you know <laughs> a lot of sicilian men are pretty much banking on that uh so <laughs> <laughs> like we come from dicks, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I it's so fascinating to me. Like, yeah, I've never, I've never given much thought to the Cyclops outside of like Homer. You know what I mean? Mm, that right. the idea that there are, it is something that's considered to be that that at least a local version of the like wild man of the woods. We we definitely right. have to look into this. So and just we will, I, yeah. That- I'm like definitely not a scholar at all, but before the Odyssey, their date multiple cyclopses. And what they would actually do is is build like the tools and the lightning and everything for Zeus. So they were wow. like um craftsmen basically of Mount Etna, which I think right, you know, plays into the like manly man aspect of it all you know there is Mount, this aspect Mount that Edna. that a lot of these greek mytho- mythological figures have a have a have a germ of truth in them somewhere you know right. and I, I i'm kind of interested in that idea even even you know the bible states that there was these you know sort of race of giants that were that were wiped out and i don't know maybe there is some type of strange history we don't know about where there were these you know strange creatures like uh what's the other one that guarded the maze the the labyrinth uh, minotaur? the, the, the minotaur the minotaur yeah the minotaur yeah i mean i look who, who's to know it's, the world is such a strange and mysterious place yeah yep 2022 on bcc the year of the cyclops i'm calling it now we're gonna <laughs> get yeah. into some real clops content <laughs> yeah. i'm excited or dick Clopton. content we're, we're, yeah. yeah it's all the same well <laughs> It depends on how desperate we get for uh, Patreon followers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, um, it's Cyclops Month with the BCC boys. Only Cyclops. <laughs> Nick and Muriel, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests on the show. And lucky you, you're going to be the first recipients of the brand new revised version of this game for BCC Year 5. Uh, I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say, bullshit. There's no in-between. You can use your voice to inflect where, you know, feelings strongly uh-huh. one way or another. But you, you, you're locked in 
to these two answers. I'm just laying this law back down because it's been a while since we've played it. And mm. I feel like in year four, guests started taking a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of liberty with this game. So right. I'm reining it fence. in. Choose a side. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. reining it in Good. even harder than before. If there's something we want to circle back and talk about, we will. Okay. Love this it. is a game that we call bullshit or believe it. Are you guys going to play five also? list? No. No, okay, I go sorry, down the list. Right. You guys play. Listen, you're already taking sorry, sorry, too sorry. much liberties with this. Okay, okay? too many so liberties. Sorry. My bad, my bad. My bad. Only intonations. Okay, okay. This is when I become a real hard ass on this show. Here we go. Nick and Muriel, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. Believe it? Bigfoot. <laughs> Bullshit. Believe it. Aliens. Believe it? Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. Believe it. Psychic vampires. Believe it. Mm, bullshit. Spontaneous combustion. Believe it. Bullshit. Ast- astral projection. Believe it. Believe it. Ouija boards. Bullshit. Bullshit. Alien abduction. Bullshit. Believe it. Dogman. Bullshit. Don't know what it is. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Bullshit. It's it's a dog who it's a man who's a dog and a dog who's a man. What what else do it's you right need to know? It's right there in the name, Nick. Come on, dog man. man. Bullshit. 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 Okay. Mothman. Bullshit. Bullshit. Sheep squatch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go believe it. I don't know what. Believe it. Atta boy. Ritual magic. Believe it. Believe it. Levitation. Believe, Believe it. it. The healing power of crystals. Bullshit. Believe it. We're living in a simulation. Bullshit. Believe it. The government is hiding the truth about Elvis. <laughs> Bullshit. Carol's <laughs> <laughs> uh, ready to believe it. I didn't know there was a tag. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Hide the truth about something. Alien human hi- alien human hybrids. Believe it. Bullshit. Miracles. Believe it. Mm, believe it. Reincarnation. Believe it. Mm, believe it. Destiny. Bullshit. Believe it. <laughs> Life after death. Believe it. Mm, bullshit. Oh, well done, wow. you guys. That was you, guys you guys made it through. Do you feel like you know each other better now? You just basically <laughs> took the paranormal Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah. Getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> Believe it. Uh, Agreed awesome. on some things, staunchly opposed on other things. Uh, yeah. For example, yeah. I think uh, we had a big one on, let's see. Levitation, both yes. Yeah, levitation, both yes. So you think that it's possible to get your mind into a state where you can actually levitate. They've seen the Russian girl video. What was that? 
the Russian girl oh. video. Oh. Uh, Is she I, a levitating I, Russian girl. I uh, I have also seen David Blaine. You know what Which, I'm saying? He's pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely. I believe that there's like also weird minerals you can get in your body to like crystal shit that can oh. help you levitate and stuff too. Well, Magnetize your body. Yeah. I think people do with their mind. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is, I guess, I guess, I guess boiled down. It's this idea that these like, you know, ancient Tibetan monks or, 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 or shamans or, or people who are on these other levels can, can, throw themselves into a state of meditation where they they actually lift off the ground. I guess that's the idea. You know, that famed ufologist Stephen M. Greer, I read his book, and, and when he described when he was, you know, a, a yoga instructor and he learned to levitate, I knew for the rest of the book, I was like, okay, I got to take everything else with a grain of salt from here on out. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, Muriel, you, you believe in alien-human hybrids. Yeah, I just can't see how that's not a thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what else needs to be said? If they get down here and they're walking around, that's the first. That's just what they're gonna do. That's what anybody's yeah. gonna do. Well, what yeah, you guys agreed. You guys disagreed on uh, alien um, abduction. Uh, oh, abduction. Yeah. Yeah, I think I said bullshit. I know that surprised me. Mm. I know. Now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I do believe in it. I don't know. I I think I think that aliens are not messing with us at all. That's what I think. I mm. think if anything, they're yeah. so far off. But they exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm and saying they could mess with us. <laughs> yes. And that... they're choosing not to. So the only thing that we're talking about is like free will. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying a lot of the ingredients are in the pot already for human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with Muriel. Like if we could go yeah. back in time and, and swoop up some cavemen and like collect some DNA, check out, check them out, figure, yep. you know what I mean? We absolutely would. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I feel like my, if we could go to another planet to and collect. Dinosaur. <laughs> I said, introduce my cat yeah. to a dinosaur. You know what I mean? Get some cool ass <laughs> pets going. I'd do that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I mean, at least from a scientific point of view, we I mean, we're already sending probes to other planets to look for evidence of water. Mm-hmm. If they're coming all the way out here, they're picking up a few of us and poking us with needles and stuff. It's got to be. It's got to be true. It's got to be. There's no way. We're so juicy and fun. I just can't <laughs> imagine you come down here. It's like, you're like the hamsters of the galaxy. Know, galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Human beings. Galaxy the gal- hamsters. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the galaxy's hamsters. I love it. Just don't put me in one of those giant clear balls, uh, globes, and that I have to, spheres that I have to roll around in. We'll, we'll be okay. Absolutely. Um, You're already there. It's called our acting careers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> On that note, let's take a little break. Listen to a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Nick and Muriel from Muriel's Murders. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. 
serving collectors since 1945. All right, everybody, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. And this one's possibly in what I would call more of a, well, they all deal with history in one way or another, I would say. But this one, I think, is a little bit more of a historical lesson about a very strange concept, which actually made its appearance for the first time on the bullshit or believe it list uh, in this very episode. I'll begin this with a uh, eyewitness encounter or uh, a subject of the phenomenon is probably a better term. This is a story from Reddit user u slash Jefford82, and it goes a little something like this. It's probably middle of summer, late 2000s. I had been gifted an Ouija board. Being from the South, oops, being from the South, I grew up in a Civil War town where a battle was fought. Me and my friend were bored one night and decided to use it, so I researched how to use it right, salt circle. Always go to goodbye, flip the board over when done. Mm. Anyways, we played it on the lawn of the courthouse. Being the small old, old southern town, this is also where they had the hanging gallows. We sit there, it's really late at night. I trust my friend, and he trusts me not to move it. So we start with the basic, is anyone here? The I moves to yes. And me and my friend are really into it now. So we ask them, who? This is where it freaks me out and is stuck with me for years. It spells out dog. We asked how dog, how they died. And they said, war. Then it said it did not like Jeff. That's my name. So here I'm. I am all freaking the fuck out. We keep going just a bit longer. We asked why it didn't like me. It spelled out it wanted to kill me. Needless to say, I moved the glass to goodbye and flipped the board over. So I truly believe that it works. Just gotta trust who to who you play with and maybe stay as safe as you can. And here's here's another eyewitness story from Reddit, as Bryce will read. All right, here we go. Mine is a story, but it comes with a serious question. I'm 68 years old. I've been an addict most of my adult life. When I look back and try to psychoanalyze myself as to why I continue to live this way, my thoughts always go back to a time in my life when my siblings, cousins, and I started playing with an Ouija board. None of us were over 13 years old at the time, and I can't remember for the life of me where the board came from. The first time we played there were four of us touching the planchette. The only question I remember us asking is if they were dead. The planchette slowly moved to yes. I know I wasn't moving it, and from the look of fear on my sisters' and cousins' faces, I could tell they weren't moving it either. It freaked us out so much we just let go, and as far as I know, no one ever touched it again. We didn't know about closing the door, and the board was just placed in a closet and was probably thrown out at some point. I don't really know. A couple of nights later, we tried to levitate a table. I don't know if people still do this, and I can't remember the spell. Remember, this was over 50 years ago. All I remember is that we all placed our fingertips on top of a heavy dinner table and said something. 
the table started rising. And when it got about two feet from the floor, we all freaked out again and ran away. The table dropped hard on the floor. That was the last time we dabbled in the occult. But I think the occult wasn't done with us. It didn't affect everyone, just me and my cousin Jimmy. Life changed for both of us. We started drinking and doing drugs. Our circle of friends changed drastically and we both got involved with witchcraft. Nothing like this had even crossed my mind before the paranormal experience. Jimmy was sent to juvenile detention until he was old enough to go to prison for kidnapping and attempted murder. We didn't come from broken homes or bad environments. Jimmy was a gifted athlete and could have gotten a full football scholarship to go to college. But instead, he went to prison. We both knew what we were doing was wrong. We talked about it. We just couldn't stop the bad behavior. And finally, another harrowing tale from Reddit user Sevobreath. I was in middle school, maybe the eighth grade. A friend of mine at school was having people over and they suggested we use the Ouija board because their house was haunted. I didn't know anything about their house or the board, but we played. We asked a few random questions and nothing really happened. But the board thingy did move and answer our questions. One girl asked when she would die. The board gave an exact date, which was around my birthday, senior year of high school. So I remembered this easily. Nothing really much really happened at the party. We all forgot about it. However, around my birthday, the senior year of high school, the girl who asked what her death date was would be dead in a single vehicle car accident. No. It was a shock to everyone. Then my friends who were at the house that night in middle school suddenly remembered what the board said. And we all agreed how freaky it was. I will never touch an Ouija board again. Damn. You scour the corners of Reddit and you'll discover multiple stories like these. Innocent tweens, bored and looking for a little fun, turn to a lot. Turn to a lifelong trusted source for some wholesome entertainment, the Parker Brothers. But instead of life or shoots and ladders, they reach for something a little edgier, a little more paranormal. They call upon the spirits of the dead. They call upon the services of the Ouija board. Using the occult tool of divination, the children sit eagerly, cross-legged on the shag carpet of their best friend's sister's bedroom, or perhaps at a card table in the basement rec room, or in some other suburban safe haven unprepared for a visit from the other side. Pulses raised and pupils dilated, they lay their fingertips ever so lightly upon a plastic planchette, hands twitching with a cocktail of skepticism and anxiety coursing through their veins. What spirits may come forth? What messages from the future will they bring? Most importantly, can they be trusted? As the story so often goes, what begins as a game transforms into an exercise in mind-bending terror. The twist may come quickly, or take years to manifest. But more often than not, the lesson is this. I will never touch that board again. As someone who has had a handful of weird Ouija board instances... There's a question that has always lingered with me. How did a manufacturer of children's board games come to sell an occult tool of divination? Well, Nick, Muriel, it all started in 1891 (laughs) during a period during the late Victorian and early Edwardian eras known 
as the spiritualist movement. Mm-hmm. Does this come up at all in your research, Muriel? A little bit. I think uh, I've done stories from this era and it's been around, but I haven't done one specifically about, how do you say it? A Waji? A Ouija board? Ouija board. We'll get into it. We're going to get into the root of that name. And also, I feel like a lot of those cults that you probably come across around the turn of the century had some roots in the spiritualist movement that was happening at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised. So spiritualism or the spiritualist movement, this is a phrase we've tossed around in the past. But essentially what it is was a time in popular culture that uh, had a key, where people had a keen interest in speaking to the dead. Spiritualism kicked off in America in 1848 when two girls from upstate New York, sisters Kate and Maggie Fox, claimed to be able to communicate with the spirit of a murdered peddler through a series of knocks in their home in Hydesville, New York. To make a long story short, and to be saved for another episode, the Fox sisters became the first celebrity mediums, popularizing the idea that everyday American citizens could speak to dearly departed loved ones, all without compromising their good Christian morals. The Fox sisters would face much scrutiny and controversy over their careers, but regardless of their legitimacy, the spiritualist movement was off and running. During the second half of the 19th century, seances, automatic writing, table turning, channeling, all became popular pastimes in parlor rooms across the country. And it's understandable as to why. The mortality rate was still very high during this period. People had a life expectancy around 50 years old, and death was still an event that took place in the home surrounded by family and loved ones. And like any good trend, when something is popular with the masses, that means there is money to be made, especially in the generation following the Civil War, a historical event that obviously claimed so many young American lives. In 1886, the Associate Press out of Ohio reported that a new communication device was invented to help speed up the process of speaking to the dead. The talking board, as it was called, was a flat board or surface adorned with the alphabet, numbers 0 through 9, and typically the words and, and, the words and phrases like yes, no, hello, and goodbye. A glass, or planchette, which is French for little plank, was used to slide users' hands over the words, numbers, and phrases when the spirit would answer a question. This is where Parker Brothers got involved. Well, actually, at the time, Parker Brothers wasn't yet involved. They come into the picture much later. The first mainstream talking board, the Ouija board, was patented by a company called the Kennard Novelty Company. Charles Kennard of the Kennard Novelty Company saw the potential to capitalize on the growing niche spiritualist market. Although he wasn't a believer himself, he assembled a group of investors to mass produce a talking board from Ohio to be sold in toy shops across the country. The investment group included a lawyer, Elijah Bond, and a surveyor by the name of Colonel Washington Bowie. Together, these savvy businessmen packaged and produced a talking board they called the Ouija board. So, Muriel, how did the board get its name? 
Well, there's a spooky legend about that, too. Most people believe, or it was common conception, that the name is a combination of two foreign words for yes. The French uh, word we and the German ja, translating to a Ouija, into basically uh, a direct translation would be yes, yes. (laughs) However, the true story, according to legend, that is, is much spookier. Now, neither Kennard, Bond, or Washington Bowie were practitioners of spiritualism, but supposedly Bond's sister-in-law, a woman named Helen Peters, was. According to historical letters exchanged by the Ouija investors, the board got its famous name after Helen had channeled the spirits using their talking board and asked what it wanted to be called. The board spelled out Ouija which it claimed was a word, an old Egyptian term for good luck. Mm. Originally, Bond was having trouble securing the patent for Kennard because the U.S. Patent Office wasn't convinced that the talking board would do what it said it could do. So Bond brought Helen Peters to the patent office in Washington, and a deal was struck with the chief patent officer. If Helen could channel the man's name through the board, he would grant them the patent. Helen did as requested and delivered. Okay, sure, but seems like it would have been pretty easy to know the name of the man you were going to meet in Washington, doesn't it? Especially the chief patent officer? But I digress. In 1891, the first Ouija boards began appearing in toy shops with the retail price of $1.50. Soon after its creation, Kennard stepped down from the company and his employee, William uh, Frud, a good and decent Presbyterian businessman, took over the production. And he is sometimes credited with the invention of the Ouija board. It was Fraud who began telling people that the board's name was a combination of the French and German words for yes. And was he letting the true truth out, or had he simply not heard the legend that the board had named itself? It's unclear. What isn't unclear is that the board became a popular parlor room game. Production quickly doubled and then tripled and then grew overseas in London. The Ouija cemented itself as an American icon. Sadly, there were more big wars on the way and many more lives lost to help comfort the mourning consumers during a difficult time. The Ouija board was there. How did the board work? Who knew? Twas the spirits. Or perhaps it was something else. As long as it sold, the manufacturers didn't care how it worked, just that it did, and it made them rich, even selling through the roof during the Great Depression. In 1944, during World War II, a department store in Brooklyn alone sold 50,000 units. In 1966, Parker Brothers bought the rights from what is now the was was now the Fold Company, and in 1967, the Ouija sold two million units. It was Parker Brothers' hottest seller. Moving those units, dog. Yeah. Things looked great for the Ouija board, and its reputation was fairly squeaky clean and not taken too seriously until in 1973 when a little movie called The Exorcist was released in theaters. Oh, yeah. In that film, a little girl named Regan 
was possessed by a demon after playing with an Ouija board over at her friend's house. After that, that true? Is that how it started? Yep, yep, it's a throwaway line. It's a throwaway line. They don't show it in the movie, but they say she had been playing with a Ouija board before this happened. So after that, the public opinion of the Ouija swung from innocent spiritualist pastime to full-fledged tool of Satan. During the, during the rising satanic panic of the 1980s, the witch board, as it would be called in a 1986 film of the same name, became a dark occult device that was not to be trusted. A notion that remains fairly strong to this day. So... The Ouija board, tool of evil, or cynical cash grab? Maybe somewhere in the middle? No doubt we've all had our own mysterious experiences at a slumber party or during a game night. We all know someone who has an aunt who's had a scary run-in with the thing. But is it really spirits or malevolent demons? One skeptical theory to explain how the Ouija board works is something called the ideometer effect. The ideometer phenomenon is a psychological phenomenon where a subject makes unconscious movements. Basically, what appears to be telekinetic movement engineered by unseen spirits is actually the subconscious mind taking over the driver's seat, sort of similar to what happens to a subject under hypnosis. This could explain why things known only to the subject could be spelled out by quote-unquote spirits. But what about the other stuff? Warnings of the future and stuff. Things that are said during a session that the subject doesn't know about. It's happened, and it's weird. Much like the Ouija board itself, we may not know how it really works, but when it gets results, does it really matter? And that, my friends, is the brief history of the Ouija board. Mm. I'm changing my answer from bullshit to believe it. I am firmly in the bullshit category. (laughs) Another soul saved. There you go. Damn, dude, you killed it. Yeah. I didn't know that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, me too. I always well, people say a Ouija or a Ouija. I just said Ouija. Ouija, Yeah, yeah. Ouija. But I think it's (laughs) supposed to be we and ya or ja. So it's a it is pronounced if you're pronouncing correctly Ouija. You know, on a Ouija board. But yeah, I always say Ouija board. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I could see it in my mind, and I was like, why do I pronounce that Ouija? That makes no sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I had the same experience. Yeah. I know. If you're going to name oh. yourself something, how about Sam or you know, Todd or something? You know, <laughs> The Todd board. Yeah. The world's most boring man gives you advice. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I definitely believe the people from Reddit. I feel like those stories... You know, I think I I'm pretty sure I said bullshit when we went through the game, you know, in the beginning. But now I feel yes, like you it's did. Real. I feel like it's real now. I've, I've changed my mind. I feel converted. Mm. Well, I think the thing that came up for me that I feel like is like, yeah, this makes sense is like, I really think the exorcist had such an impact mm-hmm. on the way this thing was perceived. You know what I mean? There mm-hmm. really right. aren't. I mean, I'm sure there's some spooky stories involving it. But it really is in the 70s and 80s when this thing gets a reputation for being bad. 
Um, that being said, I mean, I've never had a like bad, bad experience in it, but I've definitely had weird experiences and I've definitely felt like, okay, this is definitely, I mean, we all do this. This is the cliche. This is not me. It's not my friends, but I've had experiences where messages that came through were too specific and answered in such a weird way or answered in code that we went back and later deciphered to be like, oh, they were actually saying something for me to go. This is 100% my unconscious mind making this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's got it. I mean, and also, I don't know, man. <laughs> I also my experience with Ouija boards are at a slumber party and everybody promises to be honest, and you look everybody in the eye, and you know everyone's lying. They're totally <laughs> moving it. <laughs> Brenda, you're moving that plant. Should I know you are, you bitch? Come on, it Brenda. Is, man. That's how it is. It's like I have never had, a, I have had an experience where I believed 100% that it could be real, and I watched like Marina's hand is pushing hard. I'm not moving it. It's like, girl, you're moving it, obviously. <laughs> or like in that group of girls who's like, a freshman in high school from Reddit, and they're like, oh, you're going to die in three years? And then we all forgot about it. And then when she died, yeah. we kind of remembered later. It's like, you guys are going to be bringing that up every year until the year she died. Like, don't try to act like you didn't remember. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I mean, I, I, I mean, just, you, I, just I because there's some instances where people are pushing it doesn't mean that it still can't be true, you know? Well, think I, think about yeah. the, the the ritual activity of it, right? You're sitting with a friend. You're priming yourself to speak with the other side, to speak with an entity, a spirit, or a dead person. You're at you. You know you're you're letting that you're opening that doorway, as it yes. were, uh, for something to actually happen. You know who knows what we're actually capable of, and when and when you make that sort of ritualistic behavior around it, you know you light the candles. You turn out the lights, you get yep. really quiet, you you get into a focused state or a trance state where you're actually trying to, or you're actually, a better word would be believing that you can commune with the other side. And, and look, I do believe there is an other side. I'm not sure what's on there or what is it or what it consists of, but I certainly think uh, that, you know, there's access to that. And uh, a Ouija board is one way to do it. I don't fuck with that shit. Really? You <laughs> have don't you, mess with it? Uh, have I, no that's way. That's amazing. Never? You've never touched it? No. Dude, you remember that story I tell the, the very first time we had uh, my my encounter in the window? It happened when I was a kid. Remember some, some neighborhood kid brought over some game or something? I don't remember the game, but the more I look back, I... I often think, what if that was like a Ouija board or something? It probably you know? was an Ouija board. What what was it going to be? A battleship? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, what would or, like a, or like a really well thought out Dungeons and Dragons or something. No, yeah, that's but- probably true. Because Dungeons and Dragons was also a victim of the whole satanic panic stuff, too. Mm, right, I think right. even with Battleship, well- if you if you said, okay, we're going to go to a graveyard. <laughs> we're going to set up Battleship. Like, yeah. We're going to put a ring of salt around ourselves and light a bunch of candles. Y'all would be like, oh, my God. Someone sucks. So, now commune with dead sailors. Are you guys Muriel, oh Muriel, now you're just conducting but chaos I magic, so right. you won't get any argument from us there either. I don't know if I buy – I don't know what I believe about this thing uh, as most stuff, but what – from a pure experiential level, from, from just like – if we look at the thing as a toy, 
it's pretty fucking awesome that they came up with something super simple that does there is something that happens even if it's bullshit there is something really fun that happens when you're playing that thing that really does make you feel like there is an outside like source Mm, or spirit joining you in that moment and from just an entertainment standpoint it's a fucking incredible invention oh my god i I agree i for sure agree I mean, I personally believe that if you believe in miracles and you're looking for miracles, you're going to find them. Same thing with like demons or, you know, maybe the the shadow men that you fight, you know, that's not and that doesn't make them more or less real. But I think if you believe in things, they're they come true a lot of the time in this realm. Or maybe you're like more likely to see them. Yeah, I could see that totally. Like you're not going to miss it because of skepticism if you keep an open mind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it that all kind of goes back to like, what is real anyway? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't it all feel like reality is a little bit more fluid, you know, and not as concrete as we all seem to think it is? I don't know. Like we're all on a like what's I guess my yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what is? To, I guess I'm going back to my thought about. If it's a toy that is designed to make you feel like a ghost is talking to you, what is the difference between that sensation and a ghost actually talking to you if the result is the same? You know what I mean? If it gets results, what's the fucking difference? And do we need to get hung up on whether there's actually a ghost there or not? Because it's simulating the experience of talking to a ghost. So is therefore, i.e., doesn't that make it a ghost? Hmm. I, yeah, I mean, what, is, you're, what you're saying is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Muriel. No, no, no. I interrupted you. I was going to say, you could probably sort of get the same effects if you sit in a dark room with a pad and a pen of paper. Well, uh, that's automatic writing. Yeah. Yeah. You can just start asking questions into the into the vast unknown, and you know, there's a good chance you might get an answer, and there's a good well, chance it may not sound like it's coming from you. And this was designed to be sort of a shorthand version of automatic writing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's why right. they designed this was to sort of like, because it took so long sometimes for mediums to channel and seances and people to come through that the talking board kind of became like, let's, instead of calling the person, let's text them. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I Texting think like, for ghosts. My, my feeling about it is that, or at least my experience of it, is that, I think that the Ouija board is the first time that a lot of people have like given themselves into having some sort of collective experience with someone else. Mm. And I think that is really, really powerful and it has its own magic that is outside of you. And I think I can see how that feels powerful. I'm going to say like, for me, the times that I have been like, you know, when the hair rises on the back of your neck when something happens that, you know, is way too, feels like, you know, when you have the deja vu kind of feeling when you see a movement of something like I've had those movements. And I think for me, when I think of ghosts and supernatural, I think of something that is distinctly not human. Like I don't feel uh, to me, that feeling is like, you know, like white out Mm -hmm. scary or, you know, thrilling in a way that is kind of beyond any sort of, familiar thing right it's not you and your friends sitting around having fun like or doing something together but even if we were doing something that was like 
a product of our collective subconsciousnesses that yeah. would still be really powerful, you know, and I think also not not anything I could do on my own. Like I made the joke, okay, like you're mad that somebody's pushing it. And that's true. But I also feel like incredibly vulnerable in those moments. And I do think that, you know, I do think that those moments are really powerful and really magical. Yeah, which goes back to just the elegant, simple design of the concept itself. Yeah. It's just yeah. a planchette and words on a, a letters on a board, and it can make you feel like you're opening a portal to the other side. And to Bryce's point, maybe you are. We don't. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, how no, you, I get how it. Do you it's, close the portal. Do you know how? Like just for future I think reference. you. Well, and 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 there there are you can Google like legit like hey if you're gonna do this this is the way you do it like there's even like things you're supposed to say before and after like there are rituals you can download to see okay how am i supposed to do this Um, i had always heard to say goodbye and then swivel like the infinity sign on the board mm. to clean it uh Mm -hmm. the reddit user said you flip it over when you're done yeah so well salt circle is to Maybe a salt, a salt circle, circle around, around you to, board. to protect yeah. you. Well, you and the board to protect protect yourselves, you know. I, I remember the figure eight or the infinity sign now because I feel yeah. like somebody got mad at me for not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think right. that's where Maybe it's when you like do. take it to the extremes. You're like, okay, we're going to put a pentagram, the Ouija board on top. I got some fresh goat's blood. We're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, really? Yeah. <laughs> there is definitely some mean-ass 14-year-old scaring some 11-year-olds that probably helped these suburban parents think that their kids were really into some satanic stuff after the exorcist. <laughs> and you know? everybody true. here like yeah. did light as a feather, stiff and stiff as a board, right? We all remember doing Oh that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar. It's like again now as similar a, to as that tabletop old man. Wouldn't that be kind of I I yes. I have so many weird memories. That one I think in particular is one of those ones where you go in and out of belief. Cause like if you're in a certain like I have been in a position where I felt no resistance. And then I've also been in the position where I know I'm holding about 25 pounds up of a fourth grade body. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know what? You guys are going to be invited to my spoon bending party. I'm coming. Are you kidding? You just got tickets. Yep. We're going to do it. We're going to bend spoons. That's awesome. I thought we left spoon bending behind us, Bryce. Never. Never. No, never. Matrix Well, Nick. Muriel, thanks for coming to our Ouija board party or Ouija oh, board. Um, I, I'm sure there's people who are going to get mad at the way I pronounce it during the horror story of High Strangeness. Listen, <laughs> forget it. Move on. It'll be fine. <laughs> New story next week. Um, Nick Muriel, where can people find your show and where can people find you guys on the socials? Man, plug in Muriel's Murders wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we're at Muriel's Murders on all the classic old people social medias: the Instagram, <laughs> the Twitter, the YouTube, the Facebook. We don't have Facebook. Oh, but we're on TikTok. We do our we do our you know elder millennial version it. of being yeah, on hip. TikTok as best we can. Uh, yeah, definitely check out Muriel's Murders podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Love it. As for us, please follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Riley, make sure people know how and where to buy the new Spin Drift album. We had a few questions about that on the Instagram this week. 
So if you want to get a physical copy of it, which is undoubtedly the best way to support a local band, or not a local band, but, you know, an underground-ish band, uh, go to alternativetentacles.com. You can get it straight from the label there. There's a limited edition blue vinyl that is actually rapidly selling out, and uh, you can only get it from alternativetentacles.com. It drops on all... It's The album is called Classic Soundtracks Volume 3. The band is called Spindrift. Uh, it drops on all major streaming platforms on February 4th and we couldn't be more excited. And thanks to everyone that's already pre-ordered and been sending me your orders showing up. It makes me so, so very happy. Fantastic. Get those psychedelic Western vibes. Get yours right, today. Baby. Bryce, anything to plug before we bounce? Yeah. Muriel's murders. Check them out wherever you listen <laughs> to podcasts. I think you guys would love it. I know I would. Thanks, Fantastic. Man. Uh, Follow me uh, at McMills on Instagram. And look, uh, I mentioned this a few months ago. I've been doing audition coaching. If you're an actor and you want to need some work on some audition uh, or audition technique, you can email me and book a session with me, bookitwithmike at gmail.com. And even if you're not interested in that, uh, I've been working on a side project. I would like you guys to email me questions that you might have about the business, the entertainment industry, auditioning, or acting in general. Uh, This will all become clear in a few weeks uh, to a month. Uh, But I would love your questions. So email me those questions uh, to bookitwithmike at gmail.com. And also, if you have your own Ouija board stories or Ouija board stories, send send them them to us. Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com. I would love to do a uh, an all Ouija board L Files episode at the end that of the month. So killer. get them in. Yeah. Yes, yes. Great. Uh, I want to thank Nick and Muriel one more time for Muriel's Murders. Definitely check out their show. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being here. To thank our dear so Club much. Scout, good night. And go get regressed. <laughs> Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray and Michael McMillan and scored and engineered by Riley Bray. Our theme song, Come Alone, is by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. Do us a favor and support the show and unlock three bonus episodes every month by becoming a member of our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, which can be found at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, 
to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.